Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, and filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us wherever you might find yourself today. And a couple of things before we get started on this episode. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would be honored to speak into the issues you're facing today. All right. We will get to this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, Jessica, how was your week and what is going on in Jessica land? I've had a pretty good week. Um, I think last time I'd mentioned feeling a little bit overwhelmed with just all the things on my plate. And not that those things have necessarily gone away, but I think it can be really helpful to take a moment to breathe and reevaluate if things need to be restructured. And I think being intentional about how we use our time can actually help us feel more grounded in our time, even if the amount of things that we have to do doesn't change. So restructuring my week helped a bit in terms of kind of batching some of the, the different tasks that I had to do. And um, yeah, that was just really nice. And I had some great um, connection with some other people in my life. So just feeling filled and uh, mm. having a good day so far here too and on the weekend. So feeling grateful. Oh, that sounds like a, like a lovely and still challenging, but a good kind of challenging week. I would agree. <laughs> Honestly, this week has both whirled and dragged by for me. Um, similarly to you, it was a very full week in every sense of the word, just like I think what you expressed last week as well. Um, lots of work and long talks about the future and questions that are still being answered. And it's been a time of fervently seeking wisdom in, you know, which doors to knock on and which paths to choose at the fork in the road that we've come to. And as someone who struggles with feeling like there is hope in unanswered questions, I've been challenging myself to rather than get overwhelmed with all that could go wrong to see this as an especially exciting time of possibility. So if any of you who are listening today have found themselves in a similar season of unanswered questions and forks in the road, I hope to encourage you to see the possibilities as exciting and energizing rather than scary. All right. Great word. Great word. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to our letter for today. It covers the subject of what it's like to struggle with body issues and loving what we see when we look in the mirror. Here we go. Dear Wallflower, I'm a 26-year-old who's still struggling with the same thing I did from the time I was a preteen. To put it simply, I don't like the way I look. I guess you could say I feel ugly. 
I know this sounds like a really silly thing to feel, especially at my age, but I've always struggled with liking what I see in the mirror. I don't really wear makeup often because I almost feel like, what's the point? And I tend to wear mostly hoodies and things that like that because I'm not really confident in my body either. I honestly thought these things would go away after my early 20s, but they've just stuck around and I feel almost stupid for that. But looking back, I don't remember my parents ever telling me I was pretty. I have a hard time not comparing myself to girls or, I'm sorry, I have a hard time not comparing myself to my friends or the girls I see on TV and just feeling awful about myself. On top of that, I haven't been terribly successful with dating and I feel like I'm just not what guys like. What do I do to become more confident in myself? Is there a way to stop picking apart ev- myself apart every time I look in the mirror and just feeling ugly? Sincerely, starving for self-love. Jessica, what are your thoughts? I want to begin by noting her sign-off. Um, starting, starving, excuse me, starving for self-love. I can see in her letter that she also longs for love from others, but she highlights in this that she struggles even to love herself. It can be nearly impossible to see ourselves as lovable when we start off with having a disjointed relationship with our own selves. Also, I want to say upfront, you are not stupid for feeling this way. We all struggle with self-image in one way or another, and some of us far more, and likely for numerous reasons. While perhaps you, quote, could have done more in the past to avoid feeling this so strongly now, don't live in the land of if only. Rather than feeling shame for where you find yourself in these feelings, take a present and future-minded approach that leaves the past in the past and sees what is possible now. I'm going to attempt to answer both of her questions with one general concept, and then I'll offer some specific ways to live that out practically. So self-love can be a feeling, and it sounds like this is what starving for self-love is referring to here, feeling self-love, but it can also be an action. And listen carefully here, an action that we can take even if we don't feel the feeling. Let me say that one more time. Self-love can be an action that we take toward ourselves, even if we don't currently feel self-love toward ourselves. Mm. Often in life, feelings can follow our actions. I think of the man um, in Mark chapter nine, who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He wants to believe, but finds himself full of doubt. And yet he is still taking steps toward faith in faith. Just like this self-love and confidence can feel elusive. But I think that if our friend takes some specific action steps to communicate love toward her body, she can grow in both confidence and the feelings of self-love. So jumping into some practical steps here, along the lines of makeup and clothing, I will say a bit of effort goes a long way. Even if you don't think you look like the image you have in your head or maybe the image that you see on your Instagram or or Pinterest feed, um, even if you don't look like the image of what you really think you want to look like, the effort goes a long way in doing two things. Firstly, it shows others that you care, and this engenders their respect or their regard. And secondly, it creates a sense of confidence through self-respect. Each of us only has what we've been given to work with. 
But I think that often those of us without what I call naturally knockout good looks underestimate how much just a bit of effort can do. This may seem kind of silly or shallow, but I'm going to reference an old TV show here. Um, Years ago, I watched several episodes of What Not to Wear, and I was frankly blown away by the amazing transformations that people experienced. And uh, while these are obviously very dramatic examples, and I don't in any way want to imply that starving for self-love would be in that kind of a starting point, um, the core principle here holds. Know yourself and do what is best for your body type and size, your hair type, face shape, etc. Embrace who you are and love yourself first by your actions. Take care of yourself and put in a little effort. Uh, and I'm not saying to spend hours on this. I personally spend, uh, I would say like a minuscule percentage of my time on my external looks. So I could totally relate either to not wanting or not being able to spend much time on this. But the point is that I've paired back to the bare essentials. When I have a bit more time to spare, I may explore learning how to properly use a curling iron, maybe someday. (laughs) But for (laughs) now, um, I'm happy simply with my favorite mascara, you know, the occasional lipstick and just generally making sure that I dress in clothing that firstly fits my body well and to looks smart, as, as the Brits would say. To say a bit more about clothing in particular, I am so sorry that culture has plastered the message all over the place that you have to flaunt your body. Mm. I have so many issues with this. To set my soapbox rant aside, though, (laughs) I will focus on the advice that I want to give. It is possible to find clothes that work for your body. While it may not be easy, and all body types can struggle to find the right fit in something, I don't want you to think that you have to fit into a certain size or wear a certain style if either or both of those don't work for you. Emily P. Freeman, whose book I recommended a few weeks ago, talks about how she adopted the quirky spiritual practice of wearing better pants. <laughs> had, I love it. She had realized that she was forcing herself into pants that were uncomfortable simply for the purpose of wanting to wear a certain size or style. She wasn't being kind to her body and that had mm. to change. So going back to the idea of loving yourself first in action, And again, the feelings will follow. Choose to wear clothing that embraces your femininity and styles that you enjoy while still taking into account your body shape and size. And if you have no idea where to start, you can search the internet for some ideas. Um, You know, try search terms like what to wear for my body type or shape, et cetera. There's a lot of stuff out there. So probably a fair number of things to sift through if you need some starting points. Next, I would say consider your food and exercise. Hmm. While I actually think this is perhaps more foundational than makeup and clothing, uh, (laughs) think of your body like the cake and the clothing as the icing, I realize that it can take time to develop new habits. And please hear that I'm not advocating dieting. I also have so many issues with diet culture. Perhaps Mm. we'll get there in some other episode, but I'm talking here about sustainable habits and lifestyle. Please know that I don't want to be yet another voice proverbially pointing a finger to shame you or one promising miraculous outcomes. But what I'm talking about here is gradual, sustainable lifestyle change that will promote both health and confidence. This is more about, sorry, this is about more than just looks, though there will likely be benefits there too. 
when we eat well, um, and for instance, I'm thinking here of like a predominantly whole and minimally processed plant food uh, diet and drinking water predominantly for thirst. Um, when we eat well and when we take the time to get our bodies moving, it is almost magical how much better we can feel. Simply taking 15 to 30 minutes for a brisk walk outside in the morning or maybe moderate to strenuous pedaling on an exercise bike or jogging around the neighborhood or a treadmill, um, it gets the endorphins surging through our brains. And these mm. wonderful neurochemicals can enhance our mood. They boost our self-esteem and confidence, and they might even help to regulate appetite and promote weight loss. So while I don't want to make... Um, some image of bodily perfection, the point here, I do hear you saying that you're unhappy with your body and that you want to have love for yourself. Mm. Pardon my language here, but crappy food will make you feel crappy. <laughs> Living a sedentary life is linked to higher rates um, or risk of depression and disease. I am of the belief that at least to some extent, what we get out of our bodies, so to speak, you know, like confidence and self-love, et cetera, is either limited by um, or encouraged by what we put in to the body, both literally and proverbially. Uh, so once again, back to feelings follow action, that paradigm, I encourage you to take the action of loving yourself by caring for your body in these ways. And don't expect to go from zero to a hundred overnight. The key here is incremental change that is sustainable. Now, I don't want to spend so much time on the practical aspects of external looks and body health that I fail to address the deeper question here. Longing for the ability to feel love for herself, which is also linked to a longing not to feel ugly. Mm -hmm. Recognize that the subjective notions of what we each find attractive differs from person to person and outward looks are not the only virtue nor I think are they even to be primary. Mm -hmm. I think here of Jane Austen or George Eliot characters who are described as plain. <laughs> so Charlotte Lucas, Mary Garth, and others. I don't want to be all fairy tale here and just throwing out the maxim, beauty lies within, but it really is true. Uh, for an example too, George Eliot herself was actually not what most would have called an attractive woman. But her vivacious spirit and her presence as a person communicated great value and confidence to those around her who greatly admired her in return. So always, always remember, you are far more than your outward appearance. While caring for your body and taking some effort to polish your outward appearance are indeed important and can readily, uh, sorry, and can really help to boost your confidence, remember to consider who you are at your core your character, your personality, your skills, gifts, and interests, you are substantial, not just an outer shell. So don't just curate your image through acts of self-love. Also care for your soul mm -hmm. through nourishing engagement with things you love to do and are good at. You'll feel more alive and this will shine forth like splendor from you in your face, in your smile, and the light in your eyes. So I pray that in these active steps, you may find the deep truth that you are worthy of love and begin to feel it for yourself. Hmm. I think that's, that's an especially powerful last point that you made that really it's about how you are feeling inside. It's not as much about how you feel outside. Sure. That's always, you know, part of it, 
we have an interior and exterior, but the interior really, really has such a deep effect. And the way you're treating yourself interiorly will show up on the exterior. That's a really good point. Um, I also think you made a good point earlier. And that point was how your struggle to love yourself is the main issue here. Of course, feeling like we don't measure up to others and aren't considered beautiful or lovable is very, very painful. But I think these feelings are coming from a deeper issue within rather than as a reaction to dates not going well, etc. So let's start by focusing on that. I have some comforting news for starving for love, for self-love. She's hardly the first person to feel this way about herself. In fact, I would say the majority of people, probably every person really, have struggled with this and still do struggle with aspects of their physical appearance. And to second what Jessica also said, you're not stupid for continuing to feel this way. This simply means that these are feelings that you haven't attended to yet and so have just continued to grow. To get a little bit personal here, I have a really similar experience to starving for self-love. From the time I was 10, I struggled with such severe acne. And when I say severe, I mean severe. I did everything I could. I tried different washes, different ointments, different dermatologists, and it just kept getting worse. And for my teenage self, it didn't help that I had an older sister who did not share this struggle. And next to her, I felt like the ugly duckling. So I didn't ever put makeup on because I had a similar feeling of, well, why would I bother? It's like putting lipstick on a pig, which is such a sad thing to think about yourself. But I I did. <laughs> and along with that, I would dress in shirts that, you know, would go down to my mid thigh. I, I, I would wear extra large shirts when I, that was not the size that I needed um, and big cardigans. And I would just hide. And I didn't want the world to see what I felt was hideous. So please don't feel stupid for this and allow these feelings having stuck around to just tip you off to the fact that they just still need to be addressed. So I'm going to start with some abstract advice and then go into more practical advice. Um, I came across this TikTok. So normally TikTok is just a bunch of recipe videos or silly videos. But every once in a while, there is this nugget of truth that you'll come across in the video that will really hit you at the right moment. So I came across this video that said, look at your body, look at your hands. They have written Christmas lists and built sandcastles. Look at your feet. They've walked you to your favorite places on earth. Look at your legs. They held you up in tough times. Look at your eyes. They've sparkled at the sight of so many people you've grown to love. Look at your lips. They've said so many words that made people feel warm. Your body has always been there. Learn to love it like it loves you. And I have to say that video <laughs> made it's me profound. stop. Wow. Yeah. It made me stop and think. And it actually it made me tear up <laughs> a little bit and it made me look at my hands and my eyes and my legs with these sentiments in mind. So I want to tell starving for self-love, your body is a gift. It's capable of incredible things. It was created with love and intention and your body loves you. Hmm. And what I would add to that video's advice is as you 
look at your body and your face and your physical appearance, this sounds kind of strange, but try to see your ancestors. And what I mean is when I was younger, I really disliked um, and and picked apart random things uh, physically, like my flat cheekbones. Um, I've been told I have very flat cheekbones or my thumbs. I just didn't like their shape or my wide jaw. I was told by a dentist that I had a jaw like a bulldog and that really stuck with me. Um, <laughs> yes. If there are any dentists listening, please don't do this to young women. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I understand he did not mean for that to stick with me, but it did. Um, so I, I would look at my friends who had different qualities, physical qualities, um, that I considered to be more beautiful. And it really made me hate what I had. As I started getting older though, I started seeing that my face shape which is something I was always so insecure about, was actually a lot like my abuelitas, my grandmothers. And it actually had features that were reflective of my Native American heritage. And I started to wonder where all of my other features had come from, if there was an ancestor of mine that I resembled. And I started to put all the features of mine that I really disliked into this new perspective. Um, The specific things you look at and dislike, I want to encourage you to see them as a reflection of all the people that it took to get you here today, of your heritage, and to see them as inherently beautiful because of that. And now for some more practical advice. I think it would be really beneficial to you to challenge yourself to step out of your comfort zone and see things like putting on makeup or dressing differently, not as a bid to be accepted by or loved by others, but as a means of cultivating a healthy respect and love for your appearance. Because right now, it sounds like you aren't treating yourself as someone who deserves to like the way they look. And I say this as someone who used to say that she hated makeup and dresses and other quote unquote feminine things. But really I said that because I was uncomfortable with attempting to look nice because I didn't believe I was someone who could feel beautiful. So I suggest you start small. Watch a few YouTube tutorials for makeup. That's how I learned everything I know about makeup. And learn how to put on very natural light makeup. Again, this is for you, not for other people. It's for you to feel good about yourself. But experiment a little bit. Try different eyeshadows or lipsticks or blushes. And I promise you, as someone who came to makeup later than most do, it's actually kind of fun to try new things and feel like an artist in a way. And lastly, I would suggest that you get familiar with what your body type is. Your shape will influence the clothes that you wear and will accentuate the most beautiful natural features of yours. And I once again say this as someone who wanted to hide her body for all of her teens and felt insecure about not having the classic hourglass shape that everyone, you know, says that's the most beautiful female shape and I didn't have it. But as soon as I got a good sense of what my body type was and what clothes would actually look good on me that maybe actually wouldn't suit an hourglass-shaped girl, I started feeling more confident and willing to leave my clothing comfort zone. And I also started understanding which forms of exercise made sense for my natural shape. As Jessica shared earlier, this is also an incredibly important and healthy practice that we can implement. 
And I'm saying that as someone who does not naturally ever feel like exercising, but exercising and eating well too are both forms of loving and treating your body with respect. And if I think if there's something I feel it's most important to impart here to you, it's that first and foremost, your body deserves to be loved by you. So I hope that we were able to speak into your struggle and that you feel seen and heard and also encouraged today. And now it is time for our May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest all of the things that we've been reading or watching or eating or wearing this week that made us really, really glad to be alive. And really quickly before um, we go into that segment, I wanted to say I received a letter from a lovely listener this week who suggested that we link our suggestions in the show notes, which I thought was a wonderful tip. Thank you. Thank you for sending that in. <laughs> it's like a no-brainer. I'm like, oh, yeah. So it totally is. I, I <laughs> there are things that never occurred. I'm very glad it occurred to this listener. Yes. You can always get better. Thank you for sending that in. So um, whatever we suggest, if if it is something that can be linked, it will be linked in the show notes for you to go see them. All right. So getting into this segment, Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? suggestion and it can be linked to because I just posted it this morning um I have a pumpkin bread mm. recipe um I call it harvest loaf because I grew up with a recipe somewhat similar well basically my recipe is based on this recipe that I grew up with but this harvest loaf is something I would look forward to every fall my mom would make it all throughout the fall and it's, it was just basically perfection. It was, you know, this moist, mm-hmm. spicy pumpkin bread with chocolate chips all throughout it. And when I got to college slash maybe after college, I started really looking at the ingredients and I thought, wow, this is a lot of white flour, a lot of white sugar, a lot of butter. <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, like we all, my, my, my parents included, we, we all eat better now than we did when I was younger. Uh, we're all always all on a journey, but, um, I thought I need to make like a healthier version of this. I mean, it still feels like a treat. And I think it, it very much is delightfully mm. a treat, but um, I use whole wheat flour and other kinds of swaps that make it. Um, I think, honestly, I think it brings more robust flavor into it as well. And it's, you know, it's nourishing uh, talking about caring for your body. I, I, I hate when people say, Oh, you know, I, I was bad. I ate a cookie. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> you enjoyed something hooray, you know, not that we should go eat around eating cookies all the time for every meal, you know, but I, I, I say this, like, you know, I, I want to be able to enjoy a treat while also recognizing that there are ways to make it that are more, mm. um, nourishing for the body. It doesn't have to just be empty calories. It can be a delicious snack that has whole wheat flour in it, you know, and other good things. And anyway, all that bit of a rant. Again, I feel like I could talk about food and nutrition (laughs) a lot, but I have been um, delighted by having little slices of this harvest loaf throughout the week as like kind of my mid-morning snack with a cup of tea. So uh, yes, you can go visit the site and check it out. I hope you make it and love it yourself. That sounds so good. I can taste it. (laughs) That when you talk, oh, the chocolate chips, I mean, that was what I think you made when you were younger, but 
it all just sounds so, so good to me. So everyone should go. There are chocolate chips in this version as well. Good. Because I was going to say that is definitely something that should be there. (laughs) Um, This week, my suggestion is both general and specific. So essentially I am um, recommending listening to audiobooks. So earlier this year, I had embarked on um, the journey of reading Jane Eyre for the first time. And it was one of those classics that for some reason I had just never gotten around to, but I was trying to add more classics to my red list. So I chose Jane Eyre because she seemed like a character that I would really identify with. And I really, really tried to get into it, but I was just struggling. And granted, I like to read before bed. So it could have just been that I shouldn't read something that wasn't written in a modern tone before bed when I'm trying to go to sleep. Maybe that's what it is. But I had started to feel really stupid, especially because everybody told me, oh, you're going to love Jane Eyre. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. And here I was having a hard time getting into it, but I decided I wasn't ready to give up. So I thought I would try listening to an audiobook recording of it. And I know listening and reading are definitely not the same thing, but for me, it's really helped being able to hear the words rather than just sitting down reading them. And I found myself getting more and more into the story. So that's my general recommendation for audiobooks if you've also been struggling with a particular book. And my specific recommendation of the Jane Eyre recording on Audible, narrated by Tendiwe, I hope I said that right, Newton. She's an actress, so you've probably seen her in something, and I just really enjoyed her performance. So, totally. yeah. To wrap up this episode, uh, before we go, Jessica, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you've been up to? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Wonderful. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, please check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.